Good morning, everyone. This is Mike, and you're listening to Driving Theology. I'm holding the microphone in my hand because I'm running late, and I haven't got my seatbelt on yet, And uh, but I'm moving nonetheless. I'm going to have to stop, I guess. I'm running just a little bit late, so I'm, we had a little drama right before I had to leave in the house, which happens with four people in the house sometimes. Anyway, yeah, so it's uh, September 2nd. We are into September uh, in this brave new world. Uh, and yeah, it's been a crazy ride for sure. All right, hopefully I'll stop here in a minute and get this taken care of. Uh, so, uh, hope you guys are doing okay. It's been an interesting week. I mean, I, I guess I have to be honest about this morning. It's not just that there was drama. Uh, there, there, there was a dramatic uh, game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Raptors and the Celtics. Uh, maybe you don't know. I'm a, I'm a nearly lifelong Celtics fan. Uh, I... Um, was introduced to the Celtics in the 80s when I had moved to New Mexico. Uh, the main sport there was basketball, and I kind of liked basketball a little bit. Like, my, my friends had a basketball goal, and I would sometimes practice uh, shooting the ball, but I had no form and had never played a, a game in my life. and So it's not like it was really something that was a part of me. Uh, but... Uh, when, when I moved, I was 13, moved to New Mexico. That's what everybody played. And so I uh, started playing basketball at 13 uh, and uh, really fell in love with the game. I really started to enjoy it. I had a friend who was actually uh, on the high school team. Uh, and so he taught me form, uh, shooting form and things like this. And so... Uh, I think because of that early help by my good friend Joe Cooley, uh, I was able to, you know, get a little form. And once you get a little form, uh, I think the game kind of changes a little bit. You know, you there's beauty to it. There's art, right? Um, so, so yeah, I fell in love with the game of basketball. Uh, but at the same time. Okay, I'm going to try to anchor my mic real quick. At the same time, I wasn't that great a player. Um, I'm not tall. 5'7". Certainly not a tall person. Uh, But, uh, anyway, so I, I would sometimes just randomly throw the ball without looking and and it would kind of go in. Like I was starting to get a knack for where the basket was, even if I wasn't looking for it. So I'd throw up random shots sometimes and they'd go in. So people started calling me Larry Bird. I didn't know who Larry Bird was, um, but these guys knew basketball better than I did. Uh, and so I was curious, who's this Larry Bird? And I'd come to find out he's a great player. Uh, perhaps the greatest player of the 80s. Um, 
at least offensively. Uh, and so, yeah, I got interested in the Celtics because I got interested in Larry Bird and I started watching him. Of course, they were great during that time of the early, early 80s, uh, really until 87. They were the best team uh, in the East. Uh, of course, there were a couple teams that popped up here and there. Um, the Sixers were decent at least one year, maybe two excuse me, maybe two during that time. They, they were good the whole time, but Celtics were better. Anyway, so I got interested in the Celtics and watched the Celtics uh, through Larry Bird's career. And then, you know, I kept watching after he retired in the 90s, but it just wasn't very interesting. Uh, really, not a lot going on until Paul Pierce uh, showed up. I started paying attention a little bit more, and that was uh, mid mid-2000s um, and then of course uh, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen joined so we had the Boston Big Three and I really started watching more intently then uh, and uh, really got into basketball again in the, in the late um, late 2000s uh, you know basically 2000 2007 uh, all the way through 2012 13 something like that uh, Celtics were pretty strong up to 2012 maybe uh, but they fell off when the big three broke up uh, and then you know kind of again kind of lost interest more or less you know I'd watch basketball here and there if I could but I didn't like pay for the NBA package or anything for that time but 2017 comes along and the Celtics are relevant again and they got this little guard named Isaiah Thomas uh, who just kind of shocks the world and takes the Celtics all the way to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, when when they weren't really a favorite team at all but they, they overachieved and they had this new coach named Brad Stevens who was doing well with them and Anyway, so I, you know, I, I uh, started watching them again from 2017-18, I guess. And so 2018, they went to the finals. 2000, oh, so, sorry, 2017. So this would be 2017, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. 2018, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals again. They start getting lots of great draft picks. 2019, last year... Uh, they get knocked out of the second round, the semifinals by the Bucks, And now we are 2020. They're in the semifinals again. Now they're up 2-0. Looks like they're heading back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it's way too early to call that because they're playing the defending champions, the Raptors. The Raptors, however, lost uh, a good shooter and they lost the best player in the NBA uh, currently in, in uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Celtics have lost some great players too, uh, but they've gained some good players and they seem to be playing maybe their best basketball of the last, uh, I would say, four-year period. So they have a chance to go to the finals, I think, this year. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to beat the Milwaukee Bucks um, if the Bucks do advance. I think the Bucks are tied 1-1 in their series. 
Anyway, I, I talk too much about basketball right now. <laughs> That's another whole sideline of my character. Maybe I haven't talked about, but I love this Celtics team. Just in love with them. And the game right now, they were behind uh, 10 points uh, at the end of the third quarter they scored two so they're down eight points going into the fourth quarter and then the heart and soul of the Celtics a guy named Marcus Smart who is a defensive presence he's a huge ball of positive energy and and he just you know he's a great great Celtic he's going to go down as one of the greatest Celtics I have a feeling if this team ever uh, wins a championship but he hits five three-pointers in a row. Gets fouled on the last one. Gets a foul shot. So, uh, you know, he had 16 points uh, just in the fourth quarter to give the Celtics the lead uh, and change the whole course of the game to where the Celtics were able to come back and win by three points uh, at the final buzzer. And that just happened, you know, 15 minutes ago. So I was going crazy. <laughs> and I probably should have been doing some other stuff, but it was on live. And, and uh, if I can watch a live game, I'd rather watch it live instead of finding out later, even accidentally what the score was, and then just, you know, uh, not watching the game with any, with any excitement. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking about basketball. Um, and what am I going to talk about today if I don't talk about basketball? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I finally uh, posted two more podcasts last night. I saved them up. One is a second part uh, that, again, addresses the accusations of Marxism uh, made by, uh, uh, made by uh, Republicans, I guess the Republican Party or the right or the extreme right or whatever. Uh, which they accuse Black Lives Matter, and kind of by proxy, they're accusing the Democratic Party of socialism, Marxism, constantly. They're, you know, making this accusation, which is ridiculous. Uh, a meme I posted on Facebook yesterday made the case that there are no extreme leftists in the Democratic Party right now. Um, because extreme leftists would be people calling for, uh, and, and it would be common people taking property from the rich and giving it to the state. That, that's what leftist uh, extreme uh, liberalism looks like. Not liberalism, leftist, I guess. I guess would be the right case. Socialism, right? And, and we're talking communism. We're not talking just you know, social. Uh, programs. It's, it's a big difference. But regardless of that, Republicans have been accusing uh, the Democratic Party of being socialists and Marxists and everything else. Uh, but really, uh, even the most liberal current Democrats are somewhere just, just right of center, really. If you look at the, the diagram which is historically verifiable uh, of what leftist, true leftist ideology looks like. Uh, I don't want to get into that. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I think 
I think Christians should abstain from uh, as as the Bible puts it, being unequally yoked, right, uh, with with unbeliever uh, unbelievers, right? We should not be unequally yoked. In other words, we shouldn't let uh, a a non-Christian entity, whether that's an individual uh, or or whether you know that is uh, a group or an organization party, uh, we shouldn't let it um, dictate our Christian lives, I guess is the one way to put that. And, and that's really what has happened uh, since the time of Constantine, for sure. Uh, Christianity has been unequally yoked to uh, the, uh, the stronger partner or the master of empire and government. And, and we are, we have seen and, and are seeing uh, what that looks like, you know, down the road. It, it doesn't look good. It's not, it's not a good look for Christianity and it, it cripples uh, the church to a point where she is unable to uh, fulfill her mission in the world and to live by the divine life. And so, you know, we're seeing, seeing a lot of, um, uh, limping by the church, uh, making wrong steps, um, touting the, the wrong uh, ideology, uh, really obeying the wrong master, I guess is a, another way to put that. Man, my eyes are really blurry today. get them out of their funk. It's a little better. Uh, so, yeah. Um, that's why I don't, I don't think we should, we should uh, join a party. Right? Now, th there are certain things that we kind of have to be a member of. Right? It's kind of impossible to be a person in the world without any country whatsoever. Uh, you're born in a place and, and birth in that place uh, makes you a member. So it's not something you choose. Um, but as much as possible, I think the true believer would want to throw off the shackles uh, of membership in anything uh, which is not run by the head of Christ. Um, and so that, that, that's my, you know, that's my thinking on, on why I would not want to, oh my gosh, I think I forgot to, anyway, uh, that, that's, that's why I would not want to be a member of any political party for that precise reason. So, um, yeah, with that in mind, uh, we're seeing evangelicalism being drugged through the mud, um, really walking through the mud under its own power, choosing to walk through the mud uh, with the ilk of Trump.
Uh, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on. I'm not even sure I should talk about it because uh, I haven't really verified things, but um, they seem plausible to me, which is scary. Uh, some of which... Uh, Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that's been going on this week. Um, more of that, right? More political stuff. Of course, we're getting closer to November 2nd or 3rd this year is the election. I can't remember exactly. Things are just going to get crazier until election day, I'm afraid. <laughs> there are conspiracies... <laughs> there are conspiracy theories that there is a conspiracy theory creating engine out there called QAnon uh, which has been uh, creating false narratives in order to bolster Trump his position his legend, his Reputation, whatever, what, what have you. Uh, I say conspiracy theories about the conspiracy theorist because I, I haven't really looked into it. I read a long article that seems plausible to me, um, and I've seen evidence of this QAnon uh, in Cybersphere. Um, so I could see where that would be something that is happening. Um, but I will say, watch out. Um, the, there are uh, documented cases of people creating uh, false memes, false stories uh, in the internet for you know a specific agenda, and a lot of people are getting caught up in it. A lot of people are getting caught in that trap, um, and basically, what QAnon has been accused of is that they are creating a Trump based uh, a Trump based cult uh, that is that is somewhat Christian-y um, in a sense sorry i take a little bit of my cold brew somewhat Christian-y but but really, if you look down deep, um, you'll see that though it looks Christian on the outside, it is uh, engaged in very non-Christian, uh, non-Christian, non non-Christ-like activities uh, and ideologies. So that's the accusation. I'm not saying it's true or not true. It's something that I want to be mindful of, though as some of these stories come out, that there are people that are trying to um, change the course of this election, uh, this election time towards, towards Trump, so that he can get reelected. Mind you, I don't like the alternative so much. I'm what I've seen of Biden, and again, this may be true or not true of the news coming out about him, he doesn't seem like a 
a great fit for the presidency either. I think I would definitely lean more towards him because of Kamala Harris. Not that I, not that I like her so much, but I think she can, um, her strengths can take care of Biden's weaknesses and vice versa, right? Vice versa is important as well. Uh, uh, I feel like Biden will be more presidential than Trump. In other words, he will he will have the kind of presence uh, of a a father type figure, a grandfather type figure for the country. Um, at the same time, there may be some stuff in his closet that that is is quite unsavory. So um, that hasn't mattered lately. Like everything in Trump's closet, everybody knew about, and uh, didn't stop anybody from electing him anyway, so I'm not sure, you know, what that's all going to look like in the long run, um, but we shall see, we shall see, uh, By the way, I'm driving my wife's car today. My car is at the uh, inspectors for the last couple days. Maybe finished today, so I may be driving my wife's car to exchange it to get this car inspected for my car later. So I'm driving this car just to just to see if we're going to have to do that or not. Um, we actually have three cars. These three cars these days. My daughter, Erica, is working at uh, Anytime Fitness, and so she, yeah, she uh, needs a car. She's been working as of today, I think, 11 days in a row, which is crazy. She's also starting school online. Uh, she's going to need some some r and I'm afraid, uh, before long, but she's, she's going to be off tomorrow, which is good. Hopefully, she won't get too far behind in her classes, but she feels like she can handle it, and she's going to be making some decent money, which is great for her. I'm very proud of her. She's working two part-time jobs, one in the cafe that our family is part owner of, and the other one is at Anytime Fitness. So, Anyway, yeah, so we are in a bit of a transition time, perhaps, with our uh, group that meets at our house uh, because of COVID-19 we have um, not been uh, meeting physically as much we'll get together for uh, a meal every other week or so uh, a barbecue or something um, but we haven't been meeting as much uh, we've been meeting online weekly however for Bible study in the book of Ephesians which we completed last week uh, but now we're kind of in a holding pattern. We're like, you know, how do we, where do we go from here? Uh, what's, what's the next uh, logical step or, uh, you know, which direction is the Spirit leading us at this point uh, to progress? How, how is, what does progression look like? Um, 
just not always an obvious thing. So, yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, as a as a house church, um, we have had a very loose, that's almost an understatement, a very loose kind of way that we do things. Uh, in the beginning, it was different. Like, we would really try, when we get together, we would try to sing and, and have some kind of a Bible study and specific prayer and we had a little bit more regimented of a thing uh, and over time we we tried to go with the flow in other words uh, the way the spirit led or the way the needs of the members led we would just be ready to adapt and sometimes we didn't have a specific book of the Bible that we were studying but we were just we really wanted to touch base with everybody to see how their lives were going uh, and and to act accordingly, right? And so we'd all kind of contribute. Uh, and that went on for a long while. So we're getting close to 10, I guess this year is 10 years of meeting in small groups in our house. This is our 10th year. Uh, we've been doing that exclusively. This will be seven years uh, this fall. Sometime in November it will be seven years where we've been doing this exclusively. Uh, and yeah um, and then as of the last year or so uh, a good thing happened where we had lots of young families suddenly we've become uh, a group with lots of babies uh, we've got one family with two families with three and two families with one each uh, all under the age, all under elementary school, except one. We've got one, I think, is going to be a second grader this year. And so, what is that, eight kids now? So when we get together at our house, we have as many kids, if not more, than adults, quite often. And it's kind of a wild house, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, we only have one member that comes that doesn't have kids, she's a single lady. Uh, everybody else is, you know, a member of a, a family with little kids. And so what it's become now, more or less, is get together and have dinner and, you know, talk. Just talk while the kids are playing, you know, and we're taking care of each other's kids and holding each other's babies. And, and we've got, you know, we've got newborns and under, under the age of one, I think we have at least three. Wait, one, two, three, yeah. Three kids under the age of one. And then we, I think we've got a two-year-old, a three-year-old. No, like two two-year-olds, two three-year-olds maybe. Yeah, two twos, two threes. Uh, and I suppose what we oldest one who is uh, second grade I think she's seven maybe um, so yeah it's kind of wild and crazy like we've become a young families group and of course my wife and I don't have any young kids uh, but we have two of our kids 
at home with us. Uh, one is 21 and one is uh, 17. And so they become kind of babysitters quite often, which is, you know, great, great for the group. Um, so anyway, it's just been kind of an interesting dynamic um, in our group this year. And we're trying to figure that out. And then COVID happened. And uh, of course, we haven't been able to meet as much in person. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to feel things out, see which direction uh, it seems like things are going and we're, we kind of need to uh, ascertain. Um, we need a course, we need a, we need a course, right? We need a, a place to go. We need a direction, I suppose. Or, or we don't. And what we need is just to love on each other. And to just keep doing that, you know. Um, I had a thought the other day, and I don't know. I've only got probably six or seven minutes to finish this thought. I'm not sure I'll be able to get it out. But I did have a thought the other day that perhaps... Um, what we call church, right? Or not what we call church. What Jesus created when he built his church and as he builds his church now, I have a feeling that eventually it's supposed to, in a sense, go away. You know, it's eventually it's supposed to be so natural, so natural and so much a part of who you are that you don't really notice when you're being church and when you're not. Right? It becomes becomes this thing that is so seamlessly a part of the fabric of your life that you would be hard-pressed to figure out what is church and what is not. Right? And I have a feeling that's the direction we've been going. Right? It's not so much that we have to take time out of our lives and set aside time for God which I think is what church more or less has been the last thousand years or so I'm sure there's always been people like us though who have been you know doing things more organically or trying to um But I wonder, I wonder, and I just have to keep wondering, I guess, um, because I'm not sure if, if that did happen, that, that we would know it was happening. You know, what does it mean to live by the divine life of Christ, to have the life of Christ in you? Can you just turn that on and turn it off? Is this time for God and this time not? Um, but the thought did occur to me that at some point, church may just kind of become indistinguishable from your life. It's kind of like that now for us most of the week, right? We're still very connected to these people. We think about them. We talk to them. We're in constant communications with them, right? We know what's going on in their life. We're doing little events here or there or getting together for this or that. And it's just come almost 
you know, like family. I think it is family now. I don't know. It's just, it's just quite seamless. Um, it doesn't mean that other people can't ever be, you know, welcomed in and brought into the group, and and I think that would be a, that would be one of the places where you would know, is this of God, is this of Jesus, or is it not? I think if it is of Jesus, then then new people would almost always be welcome. There would never be a kind of elitism or or, or cronyism or, or you know club-like uh, membership kind of a thing. That you know everybody's welcome. It just people always feel welcome to to come into our group and to come into our midst, and and they are so easily welcomed that they would feel Christ there before maybe they even heard about him. Um, to me, so much of so much of what we call organic church isn't that organic. Or am I just missing something? I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say that that there isn't still missteps and and problems in my life. There is. There are. Um, I I fall short uh, of the image of Christ frequently and often. <laughs> um, but as far as you know, how church is going, and again, I I'm at a bit of a you know, I have a bit of a conundrum, right? Or do we keep going as we are and just try to be in the flow? And hopefully that that is the spirit creating that flow and not just our lack of intention or our uh, laziness. Because um, I feel like we've really created good bonds within our group. <laughs> I think we need to get together as a group and talk about that. And maybe that's the next step, just to have a, a round, you know, a, uh, maybe get the kids uh, babysitters for a night. And we will just get together as adults and try to uh, talk about things, you know. Um, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say which direction we're going to go with that. But it looks like things are going to be a little tight to my job on time. Hopefully I will. Just miss this light. Ah. So I don't know. You know, we, we, we struggle like everybody else with trying to figure out how much of what I do needs to be my effort. How much uh, of what I do should be leaning on, uh, leaning on Christ? Um, it's a constant, you know, it's a constant thing and a constant worry. Um, so I don't know. I guess I guess we'll get together sometime soon and talk these things over. Uh, and. Uh, see how things are going. I don't know. 
we shall see. Maybe it's a time, you know, maybe it's a time for us to think about splitting, making two groups, right? Maybe things are just a little too chaotic with too many kids. You know, that's a possibility. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, so, yep. I think I'll just leave it there. Uh, not sure if there's anything uh, of use in today's podcast. Um, I know I broached a lot of subjects. Um, that's just kind of how my brain worked today. And that's kind of how this podcast goes sometimes. So so we'll, uh, we'll sign off here in just a second. As soon as I can safely get back up to my microphone. And we'll uh, talk to you guys another day. Bye-bye.